Thanks for joining us today at the Vine Church. We're one church with two locations and reaching around the world with the help of our online service. We exist to connect the world to Jesus Christ. If you'd like to partner with us in doing that, you can share this service with others and give by clicking the link below. For now, prepare your heart for some incredible worship and an inspiring message.
Well, how are you, church? Are you good? Uh, that bumper video, I was out uh, of town last week, but that bumper video makes me feel like I'm still in Camp Kidzu mode a little bit. Uh, our theme for the week was Amped, Living Fully Alive, and that was uh, exactly like that. And so I just want to invite you to be a child for the next, you know, 30 minutes. Um, and so, hey, it's great to be with you guys uh, today as we continue a series that we started last week. Pedro did a great job kicking it off uh, with On Your Mark. Um, we're actually in a study through the book of Mark uh, throughout the summer, and we're in week two of that. Today, we're going to talk about God's law for our lives. Uh, so just really quickly, let me ask you this question. Like, how many of you interpret laws as a way to hurt you or harm you, keep you from having fun, or as a way to help you? Um, you know, how, how do you kind of view that? And you can kind of answer that question in your mind. Um, our conversations at staff this week kind of centered around how there's a new um, law coming out July 1st about people with driving. Are you familiar with this? law. Yeah, Brandon, the guy that was over there, he, he sells uh, my car insurance, and he's like, hey, make sure that you don't touch your phone while you're driving, um, starting July 1st. Um, he, um, we, he and I discussed this a lot, and I don't, if you haven't looked at it, it is like pretty intense. Basically, you can't look at your phone or talk to your phone at all. You know, you shouldn't even have a phone in the car with you, basically, is the way that it comes down to when you take a look at all of the restrictions that are involved in this hands-free driving uh, law, and if you've got an old phone like mine, it's a uh, few years outdated. It's a five. And if you've got a car that's outdated like 16 years and you don't have any Bluetooth connection going on, like you got to go back to that old school, like, you know, Bluetooth ear set, you know, it's going to be pretty dorky. And, um, you know, it just is the way that it is. Um, I, I just feel like I should go back to the bag phone. How many of you are with me on that? You know, go back to the bag phone that you only use if you're in a ditch. And um, basically that's what it comes down to. And you kind of see that and you go, hey, you know what? I mean, I think this is going to be good. This is probably going to be a lot better, especially for insurance companies. Um, and maybe our premiums will go down on that. Um, you know, um, another good, good way to kind of, uh, yeah, no, okay, all right. So um, another way to think like through like our laws there to help us or to, to harm us, to hurt us is to think about the speed limit. How many of you think speed limits are just a suggestion? You know, like, yeah, and, and it's, you kind of have that like, you kind of have that like, you know, maybe nine miles per hour over kind of limit is for you. So it's speed limit plus nine, because then that way, unless they're state patrolmen, they can't pull you over. Um, and, you know, and, and so that's kind of your thought. And, and you just think those laws are suggestions, the, the lawmakers, those that pass these, these speed speed limits and, and determine that. They're just trying to keep you from getting to your destination faster. Um, um, but what's interesting, though, is have you ever thought about a minimum speed limit? Now, all of you want everybody to abide by the medi minimum speed limit, especially if you're in 85, right? You know, and you're wondering who's in the front that's not abiding by that when you're stuck in traffic going into work. Um, and that law is good as long as somebody's not stopped, right? Because um, if somebody is not going and they're stopped, then you don't want to abide by that minimum speed limit. Otherwise, you'll have an accident. And so, like, that's there to help you. That speed limit that is on, on the low end is there to help you. Um, students, when it comes to the laws that your parents have or rules, um, like, are they there to help you or to harm you, to hurt you, to keep you from having fun? Like, what's the interpretation of the, I've got parents giving their kids, like, these 
dirty looks right now, you know, all across the room. You know, like, what, is it there to help you or is it there to hurt you, to harm you? Um, you know, Governor Deal passed this, like, no hands, like, on your devices thing. I've got one of those rules in my car, too, like, for students. Like, if you're in the car and I'm transporting you around with one of my kids and you're on your phone, like, that, you, you have to pay a penalty. Um, there is a fine for that. Like, there are people. You can talk to people. They're right next to you. You can have this conversation. Last Friday, I took Braden and uh, one of his teammates down to a baseball tournament at the beach, which is a waste of money. Anyway, um, that's another s- story. Um, and, uh, and one of, like, you know, Braden's friend is, like, on the phone the whole time. And I'm like, hey, dude, what are you doing on your phone? And he's like, oh, I'm just playing a game. I'm like, you got a game. It's called Count the Cows Outside. Talk to my son. You know, like, that's, that's the, his, you know, what are the rules there for? Are they there to hurt you, to harm you, uh, to help you? Today we're going to discover through the book of Mark and through a story in the book of Mark that God's law might be different um, in the way that you um, interpret it to be. God's law is there to, to help us. It's not to, to harm us. It's not to hurt us. And so if you brought your Bibles or you've got a Bible app, I want to invite you to go with me to Mark chapter 2, Mark chapter 2. So obviously last week you were in Mark chapter 1, and the reason that we started this series is because we discovered two weeks ago at the end of our um, Listen Up series that life is like a race. And if life and if faith is like a race, um, and we're called to win it, we're called to to finish this race, then we want to do well. But so often we need help in learning how to run this race of faith and of life. And the Gospel of Mark does a great job kind of fitting into that metaphor of race because it's a fast-paced book that summarizes the the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. And so throughout the summer, we're going to be taking a look at um, we're going to be taking a look at some of those stories throughout the, the book of Mark that help us prepare for the race of faith. And, and also, in addition to, to doing that on Sunday mornings, we've given you um, these bookmarks with a summer reading plan on the back to get you through the gospel of Mark, with also boxes for you to check off as you kind of read through that. And, and uh, when you read through that, we just want to encourage you to post that to social media like Mark uh, show us your check mark, post it to social media. We had a couple of folks do that this week, and, and there are a number of images that are on social media. If you check out the hashtag um, on your mark TVC, that will kind of like celebrate uh, this journey together. Uh, but today we're going to be in Mark chapter 2, verses 23 through 28. Mark chapter 2, verses 23 through 28. Let me read that to you. One Sabbath, he, that was Jesus, was going through the grain fields. And as they, those are Jesus and his disciples, made their way, the disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he, that's Jesus, said to them, the Pharisees, have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry? He and those who were with him, how they entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar, the high priest, and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. And he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even on the Sabbath. Now, just to give you a little bit of context, um, the Sabbath, if you're not familiar with that, was a a Hebrew word, sabbat. It comes from a Hebrew word, sabbat, which means to rest. 
And the Sabbath was actually a 24-hour period of time that was basically sundown on Friday to sundown on Saturday. And the Sabbath was set up as a day of rest for the people of God to, to do a couple of things. Number one, to, to model the work of God in creation. And so if you're familiar with the creation stories in the Bible, you know that in Genesis chapter one, God created for six days and then rested on the seventh day. Not because God who is all powerful needed a day of rest, but as we see later to set up for us a model for our own life where we can work for six days, but then on the seventh day we can rest. Not because we can't work a seventh day, but because we need rest. And maybe we can work 14 days, but we still need rest. Maybe we could work 21, 28, but at some point we'll give out and we'll burn out if we don't rest. And so God sets this model for us that we're to follow. And, and, and we're to follow that by, by honoring it and keeping it holy as uh, the commandments of the top 10, the top 10 commandments, commandment number four told us. It's to honor the Sabbath and to keep it holy. So we, we have God modeling that for us, but we also have a commandment to do that. And so it's, it's kind of two, two parts on why we would, we would rest for a 24-hour period of time. We're to honor it and to keep it holy. That means to set it apart so that there's supposed to be a 24-hour period of time in our week where we would basically categorize that as rest, recreation, restoration, if you will. And... Um, and so this is, this is a part of the religion that Jesus was in. 2,000 um, or thousands of years before Jesus shows up. And then, and then 2,000 years since then, it's a part of the religion that Jesus uh, continued and that Jesus um, kind of reformed as a new movement of, of faith activity came about that there should be a 24-hour period of rest. Now, what's interesting about Jesus' day, and this is a little bit of context and a little bit of history, so students, I'm sorry that you're like, it feels like maybe history class, even though you're on summer break, um, but a little bit of context is helpful here, because there was the law, which was honor the Sabbath and keep it holy, and then there was commentary on the law, or, or what in Jesus' day would have been called rabbinic law. And rabbinic law was the commentary or the interpretation that the rabbis or the religious leaders of the day added on top of the law. So while God gave the Ten Commandments to this guy named Moses, and commandment number four was to honor the Sabbath and keep it holy, that was the extent of that law. The rabbis come along and they start to kind of interpret and they go, well, what is work? Like, what is work? So so if you're not supposed to work, you're only supposed to rest, then what, what, what qualifies as rest and what qualifies as work? And, and so the, the religious leaders would come along and they would say, well, there's certain things that you can't do on a day of rest, like you can't cook on a day of rest. Now, for some of us, we would go, well, that's foreign because our recreation and our recreation, it is actually to eat. So how can that not be? And so they would actually prep their food before that day. Nobody likes the food prep. Only people that are extremely concerned about you know, maintaining some health and fitness, you know? Nobody likes to do that. So like, it, does that count as work or rest? And so there were religious people during that day that said you can't even cook on the day of rest. In kind of modern times, they've even had debates on, can you flip a light switch on? Like when you enter into a room. That's how rabbinic law like takes this written law that was given by God 
to God's people and then adds to it. And so Jesus' day when he shows up and he and his disciples, his close followers, those that were committed to become just like him, when they're walking by these grain fields on the Sabbath day and they're hungry, they get some food. Which according to rabbinic law or commentary and interpretation was forbidden to do on the Sabbath because it was considered work to gather or to harvest. So Jesus has this group of people that were following him called the Pharisees. The, the Pharisees um, were, were kind of basically like two parts of the Jewish faith. So we had the Sadducees and we had the, the Pharisees. And the Pharisees were tied to this oral law, this kind of law that was passed down orally uh, uh, re- through their religion up to the time. And so they were tied to these like contextual definitions of the written law. Uh, that you can't work, you can't harvest. And so they're following Jesus closely, which is interesting because they're not called his disciples, which is, this is kind of an aside, but it, it just kind of stood out to me that you can be close to Jesus without being committed to be like Jesus. You could actually even follow Jesus, be close enough to observe him and to hear all of his teaching, but yet still not committed to become like him which is the definition of a disciple. And so that's just an aside. Maybe that's you. I don't know. We can talk about that if you want to at a later time. But they were close enough to Jesus to see everything that he did. They they were close enough to Jesus to hear everything that he taught. And yet their purpose for that was not to become like him, but to point out how he was unlike them. And they did that by taking the things that he did against their version of the oral law, the rabbinic law, the commentary that was added onto the written law. Jesus said something interesting when he came. He said that he did not come to abolish the law, in other words, to break the law, but he came to fulfill it. He came to accomplish all that the law was intended to be. So Jesus has these people that are following close enough to see everything and to hear everything, but their purpose is not to become like he is. Instead, their purpose is to say, hey, you're not who we are, and they're going to use the law to harm or to hurt Jesus. We know that because of a little bit earlier on in the chapter, Jesus um, actually forgives a man of his sins. And then he heals this man. And, And they think that this is unlawful. They think that this is blasphemy. Then the story right after this in the beginning of chapter 3, not to give away some of the reading that you're going to do next week in a reading plan and check off the mark and then post a picture to social media, right? Did you get that? Yeah. Um, He heals a person's hand on the Sabbath, which these Pharisees and these religious leaders said is unlawful to do. It's unlawful to heal a person because that's work. It's work on a day of rest. And Jesus discerns their hearts And he knows that their hearts are to trap him, to catch him, to do harm to him. And and for them, the law was about harm. The law was about hurt. It wasn't about help. And so how do you interpret law? Is it there to hurt? Is it there to harm? Or is it there to help? And Jesus helps us interpret the intention of law. Because in this story, as soon as he hears from them, when they condemn him and say, hey, that is unlawful for you to do, he says, have you heard about David? 
Have you heard about David? Which, which was cool because he answers their argument with a question. Have y'all noticed that great leaders ask great questions? Did you notice I just asked y'all a question? I'm just saying. Anyway, no, I'm, I'm joking. But, but they do, they do. In fact, this was a rabbinic art form to be able to have a discussion and a dialogue and an argument. In fact, if you wanted to win an argument, you, you ask the better questions. And so Jesus actually performs the greatest Jesus juke ever to religious people 2,000 years ago, and that was to drop the name David. Have you ever heard about David? Well, if you're a religious leader, of course you've heard about David. David was like the name above all names until Jesus comes along. I mean, he was. So to say, have you ever heard about David, was to like immediately get their attention and immediately win the argument about the intent of the law. How do you interpret the law? And he says, do you remember the story where David goes into the, to the temple and he eats the bread that only the priests were allowed to eat and he's not a priest? He, he wasn't saying, hey, what Jesus did or what David did was okay because David actually broke the law. What he actually pointed out to these religious leaders is that they never condemned David for his behavior. In fact, they hold David up as this like great king, the greatest king. Some even thought that he was the Messiah during his time. And they never condemn him for his behavior. In fact, they probably, as Pharisees, were walking around with a WWDD bracelet. What would David do bracelet? They didn't condemn him for breaking the law. So why are they doing that for Jesus? And then Jesus just lays down the intent of the law, especially about Sabbath. That the Sabbath was made for people, not people for the Sabbath. In other words, this is a gift to you. It's supposed to help you, not harm you. And if it's used to harm you, then you've misunderstood the law. And Jesus can give us that interpretation because he's actually co-author of the law. He says, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. I am the leader of the Sabbath. I am over all of that. And I've co-authored all the laws that have been given to you, written down from God's mouth to you. It's to help you. They're given as a gift to you. So if you're ever wondering the intent of the law, the way that you interpret the intent of the law is that it's to help you. In fact, if you're taking notes, you might want to write this down. The intent of the law is to help you to the point where it actually reveals God's love for you. The author of the book of Romans writes that, that prior to the law, he didn't know he, he was sinful but then when the law was given and the law was applied to his life, he realized that he was a sinner and he was in need of salvation. He was in need of God's love. Um, and that's, that's what the law does. I mean, the law points out the fact that we have a heart that's rebellious towards God. If you, if you don't believe me, uh, just get around a kid and tell them not to do something. Because what do they almost immediately do? Do it. Don't jump on the couch. Okay, I'll jump on the couch. Um, our last day at Camp Kidzu, um, Pastor Andrew was given the story at the beginning of time, and he was supposed to be a courtroom reporter. And so he was uh, a courtroom reporter. And um, you, you got 125 kids in a, in a room, in an environment, not including the students who like to egg on, like, you know, what's going on. And, and so, like, 
Um, so you got all these people in this room and he's a courtroom reporter and these kids are interacting with him and he's like, shh, be quiet, we're in a courtroom, you know, and he's just playing the part like, hey, I'm a courtroom news reporter. Well, when you tell a group of like 125 kids to be quiet, you're in a courtroom, guess what happens? Dude, just amped up. Like every time he said, don't, like, don't say anything, don't be loud, they just got louder and louder and then like a full riot broke out. Because that is what happens when we're given a law. It reveals this rebellious nature that we have, which is why when we see the speed limit sign, what do we do? We add plus nine. <laughs> That's what it does. And this is a good thing. It reveals God's love. It reveals that in our brokenness, in our sinfulness, we need God's love and God's forgiveness. That's the first way that it reveals God's love. The second way that it reveals God's love is because it is there to protect us and not to harm us. I mean, if we had time to actually go through like all of the laws, it would be amazing where I think the collective wisdom of the room would say, you know what? No, no, that's actually a good thing. Just like we'd say, you know what? It's actually a good thing that you don't drive distracted. These are... These are good things. Like, like physical intimacy. The laws that God sets up for physical intimacy. Like those are actually good things. There was a time period in my life where I was like, I'm not sure that's there to help me. It is. The way that we talk about each other, like don't gossip. Man, it would be so much more fun and easier if God hadn't given us that law. Why did he give us that law to actually help us? Because we've all been the recipient of being on the end of gossip, and we know that that's not a lot of fun. I mean, we could just, we could go through every one of don't steal, like, okay, don't lie, okay, you know, I mean, we just go through and we go, oh, you know what, these are actually good things. You know, students, that like, I would say with rare exception, rules and laws that your, your parents have, they might not be perfect, like God's laws are perfect for us, but they're there to help you. They're there to help you. When you're when your parent tries to give you a bedtime that's earlier than you want to have, it's, it's there to help you. It's there to help. This reveals God's love for you. His love in that God is good, and he wants what's best for you. And in being sovereign, Lord over the Sabbath, and Lord over all, he sees the big picture on what is best for you. And that is the love of a good parent to his children. Um, this past week, I did something drastic. Now, some of you guys, you're not going to get this, but um, earlier this week, I took off Facebook and Twitter and Instagram from my phone. Oh, like collective, like gasping in the room. Yeah, I took it off. And some of you guys are like, well, I don't have any of those things. Yeah, and you should, there's no need to have it. The only reason I have them primarily is because I'm a pastor of a church. And I feel like it, it can't help. But I realized a couple of things this week. I realized a couple of things. I realized that a lot of my time, a lot of my time is spent checking Facebook, Twitter, not really Instagram because I'm not that cool. <laughs> a lot of extra time is spent on it. Um, I, I realize that that time that I spend on that sometimes uh, distracts me from being fully engaged with the people that I'm around. 
primarily my wife and my kids. I, I realize that a lot of the stuff that I see, maybe first thing in the morning or last thing at night, is not really good for my mind and my thoughts, especially if you follow President Trump. I mean, you know, like, wow, the stuff that he says. You know, it's, there's, there's stuff in there that takes my time and, and takes my mind to a place that it shouldn't go. And, and this week I was thinking about that, where my mind started to go a place that it didn't need to go. And a, and a rule, let's say, a rule that Jesus had kind of came to mind by the prompting of the Holy Spirit. And it was this, if your eye causes you to stumble, do you know this? You should gouge it out and throw it in the trash. Because it would be better for you to enter heaven with one eye than to be in hell with two. Well, yes, Jesus said that. And I thought, you know what? I like my eyes. My wife likes my eyes. How can I take the intent of that law, that rule, and apply it to my life? And so I gouged out Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram from my phone. And I got to tell you, these days since have been liberating for me. Liberating for me. God's laws are there to help because they reveal God's love for us. What laws of God have you been considering suggestions? My guess is that there's probably an awareness within all of our lives that there's something we're doing or not doing that we're just considering a suggestion. And yet Jesus tells us it's there to help us, not to harm us to reveal God's love. Today, as we wrap up the message and, and enter into a time of prayer, if there's anything that you've been considering a suggestion, would you slide it in that category of like, nah, this is a way that God is revealing his love for me through the forgiveness of his son, the forgiveness that I need, and liberating me, and liberating me to live life to the fullest. i
Still in 